so now it's a matter of us pulling it all together to like the whole joint and, and putting on what I think will be a brilliant showcase for the sport. Yeah, we'll be honest with ourselves next week, as usual, and say, OK, this a stonking result, but what could we have done better? Finding that passion for racing again. You know, stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because I love racing cars and I love competing and that's really what's changed this year. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel. It's post-Queensland Raceway and post-Queensland Raceway for the TCR at the weekend as well. Did you watch any of that, by the way, Craig? I watched that day. I haven't got the Sunday just as yet. It was pretty good. There was certainly uh, some contact between them. It's, uh, it's certainly not supercars, and I don't think anyone's trying to pretend it is. But uh, it's certainly well worthwhile being out there. So uh, as we prepare for the next round in Taylor Men in a couple of weeks' time, the uh, biggest uh, news this week was that Kelly Racing have been given a uh, aero adjustment after racing their car for nearly six years. I think it would be six years. I think 13 was their debut season. Um, they've been given uh, a front uh, air dam and a rear wing adjustment to uh, improve their downforce at the rear. So that's good news because making the cars that little bit more competitive would be a, a great thing for the series, I think you'd agree. Yeah, is it a rear wing adjustment or is it a adjustment of the boot lid to bring the boot lid closer to the rear wing? I, I, yeah, I think, I think it might just be, in fact, you're right, it might be to the gurney flap on the boot lid, yeah. But uh, either way, um, I think they're going to end up with a bit more downforce at the rear, which will no doubt help their rear tyre life, etc., etc. So I think that's good. And it's interesting because, of course, Kelly Racing are in the throes of making their decision about their 2020 and beyond mount. What will they uh, be racing next year and beyond? So you've had some interesting conversations, I understand, the weekend about that. Yes, it is interesting to see where it might all pan out. And uh, there was a lot of speculation, as I said last week. Uh, Nick Ryan was sick of being asked, are they going to two cars or are they going to be four cars? And we went into that detail last week. But uh, it raises an interesting question, and uh, I did put it to Nick, who didn't have an answer, is that could Kelly Racing develop a body kit as a generic body kit? Um and use their Nissan engine, which they could rebrand as Kelly engine, then race a generic car up until such time as a, as a partner comes on board to put their name on it. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one. All right, for this week's show, we have a couple of uh, interesting contrasts. One, a man who's uh, been established and has been at the front of the, the uh, leading team for the last three years, and that's uh, Ryan Story. Now, you had a good long conversation with Ryan up there at Queensland Raceway. Yeah, wide-ranging chat on the issues of the day, and uh, I think everyone's going to enjoy his perspective on it. It's going to be a, you know, it's a free-flowing chat, and uh, looking over his shoulder the whole time was Dick Johnson, who... uh, you know, got to hear the whole thing as well and managed to bite his tongue, I think, a few times there if I uh, read the impression on his face uh, correctly. <laughs> and, and Dick's not a great poker player, so that would have been what he was thinking. Um, the other uh, item of uh, interest this week is one of the newest team, well, maybe not team owner, but certainly he'll be running the team, is Brody Kostecki, talking about he and his uh, cousin, Jake, who will be running uh, the Kostecki's... Uh, in a wild card for the three Enduros, um, which is terrific for them. I, I'm really pleased that they're, they're nice young lads. We've spoken to them a few times, and 
Um, they really are. Brody is a, a, a accomplished racer, as you well uh, know about uh, his time in North America. But he's uh, telling you about what they're how they're preparing for this upcoming uh, Enduro Cup. Yeah, he does, and he, he goes into detail about how they're setting their expectations too. So certainly one not to be mixed about the wild card in the field at the uh, Enduro Cup, or particularly Bathurst. Uh, also, congratulations to Shane Van Gisbergen, who took out. Yes, indeed. Kane GT World Asia, or World Challenge Asia, I should say. Yes, indeed, with Prince Abraham and Triple Eight uh, running the car, um, one of their Simo is uh, the man in charge of all that, who's long been in, involved with Triple Eight. I've known him for quite some years. Anyway, they had great success up there in Yonggang or Gam in Korea, fairly new track. Other successes this weekend was uh, Marcus Armstrong, um, a New Zealand kid who uh, he uh, was the runner-up in this year's to another New Zealander, Liam Lawson, in the TRS series, and the, he won in Hungary which is terrific because he's a very good young kid, Marcus, very strong, you know, well-attuned to international racing. Because while Ricciardo wasn't doing that well, starting 18th and finishing 14th in the F1 race, there was Marcus winning. But there was an Australian winning overseas, and that was a West Australian. He was winning at Snetterton in the British Formula 4 Championship. So that was terrific to see that uh, a West Australian and an Australian doing well on the international front. And another one who was doing well, was Ryan Briscoe. He and his teammate Richard Westbrook, driving a uh, Ganassi-run Ford GT, took out back-to-back wins uh, over the uh, last few weekends. This one was at Road America, and so that's great to see them flying the flag high. Richard Westbrook, of course, a long-time English racer who's been in America. Um, so all in all, um, some uh, you know, some mixed results around the world, but good to see some Australians up there. So we'll start off with this week with uh, going after the break with Ryan's story, talking of uh, the season for DJR Team Penske. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck. For Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas, there actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Penske. And you're on Inside Supercars. Brian Story, interesting position supercars are in at the moment with, firstly, let's talk calendar. And the thought of dropping some races off and changing formats, which will allow, is an interesting problem to be working through. How is your thoughts on this? Well, I think one of the interesting things, particularly with the formats, is, is something that I'm really passionate about, and I think that uh, we've made some good progress there. And supercars itself, uh, under Sean Seymour, have done quite uh, quite an interesting model and analysis of, of what events work best and uh, and what the audiences are and, and, and how they work. And I'm a I'm a great lover of statistics and uh, and data modelling and. Uh, I think what uh, what uh, what that's produced has been quite compelling, and it's given us some real insights into 
into who our supporters are and, and when's the optimal time to run some of these events. So I think the calendar will be, will be interesting. It'll, it'll certainly be a very high-quality calendar. Um, there will be some elements in there that will be uh, of great benefit to the teams in, in terms of event turnarounds and things like that. And then one of the greatest opportunities that we have by way of attendance and audience is what we do on Saturdays. So I think we're going to see some format changes next year, which will which will make sure the show's just as good on Saturday as it is on Sunday, and uh, and they're very good steps forward. So I think we're going to see a calendar within the next few weeks. I know that uh, there's I'm fortunate to be privy to privy to to some of the information there, but I, I suspect we'll see it in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a, a good step forward compared to some of the challenges we've faced. Certainly, in years gone by, and particularly this year, you know, Bathurst being the first enduro, that's uh, that's uh, far far from ideal for us. But then again, and also with the uh, with the formats, we're gonna we're gonna have quality racing on Saturdays and Sundays everywhere we go, and that's a that's a great step forward. Will this be able to generate the casual interest and return the casual interest to motorsport? Well, I think that uh, I think that the sport, even adjusted for inflation, has never seen. Um, the business-to-business partnerships and reach that uh, that we've been fortunate to produce with our team. So I, I don't think it's fair to say that we, we lack the casual viewer and, and we lack the business now to be able to, to, to uh, build commercially viable concerns. The, the trouble is, is that not everyone else is able to. Uh, but in terms of the viewership, the Foxtel product is world-class. Absolutely world class. If you're a fan of supercars, you can you can immerse yourself in a race weekend as if you as if you're here. It's 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 fantastic. There's there's other things that we need to improve in terms of the non free to air broadcast events, and we're likely to hear more about what the next uh, TV deal uh, contains uh, over the course of the next next six to eight months. So I think that uh, we'll see that play out in an interesting way. Uh, but motorsport has its challenges with the casual fan right across uh, right across the world. Um, Formula One's ratings are down. Uh, our ratings year on year are up 11%. It's the highest of any sport in Australia. AFL had a pretty bad year last year. They're up only 1% year on year. And NRL are just over 1% up year on year. But we're over 11% year on year. And we're the third most watched sport on, on Foxtel. And get good viewership when we have our... our, our are uh, simulcast free-to-air weekends. So I think the doomsdayers out there uh, are painting a, a different story uh, to what uh, reality says, but certainly we need to do everything we can to make the product that we have accessible to, 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 to all. And uh, that's certainly a priority of, uh, of everyone, everyone who's got a vested interest and skin in the game right now. I shouldn't talk to someone who uh, is as heavily into uh, market surveying and reach as you, but my experience has been, I'm going to Queensland this weekend. What are you going there for? Car race. What car race is on? This one. Oh, I used to watch it all the time. Just never see it on the TV anymore. You know, used to enjoy seeing it when it was on. Or we used to see the laugh. Every perp going into the county court was wearing a HRT jacket. That tribal nature of it, seems to have been lost. I occasionally go to Beanley Courthouse to get to JP to sign something and I still see the HR T-shirts. Um, John Crennan won't like me saying that. But, uh, no, look, you make a good point and uh, and the only way to be 
the only way to be seen and heard is is that someone's got to tell you where it is um and it's the reason why bathurst has such a such a high average audience over an eight-hour period it's got the highest average audience of any broadcast over an eight-hour period um in uh, a year on year it's 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 uh, it's a it's a fantastic success not to mention obviously the biggest race and the great race uh, for, for for us certainly but uh, it's 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 a challenge and it's just it's simply not an insurmountable one we have to be relevant and we have to be accessible and uh, these are the things that we need to continue to ensure that we can achieve and new media is a, is a great way of doing that i mean you've been doing this craig for a long time but uh, you've got plenty of uh, new kids on the block uh, with podcasts and vodcasts and uh, and doing all sorts of things to try and reach a, a new fan base and, 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 and certainly the existing one. And there's always an appetite for news that people can get through the Supercar site, through Speed Cafe and other forums. And the AP do a lot of content on us that gets picked up in all sorts of papers and all sorts of websites. But we just need to continue to make ourselves accessible. And when you think about the peak of the sport, there's always been great rivalries. Moffat and Brock. Johnson and Brock, Scaife and Ingle, Scaife and Seaton, Ambrose and Murphy. All of these great rivalries had with them great personalities. And I just wonder whether we're missing a little bit of that, a little bit of that spark. So when we see and hear about about some of these rivalries, sometimes we put our commercial hat on and, and do what we can to suppress them and and I think that uh, there are times where that's important, but you only need to you only need to look through the events of the past and see where the sport has been at its at its peak to be able to re- reverse engineer what has been at the core of that success, and it hasn't just been the on track product. I like the model of wrestling. They are willing to allow a wrestler to wear the black hat to have the redemption, to go wear the white hat, to fall again. Without that storyline, you don't have the you don't have the casual interest and the Rustodons are going to be following it and they're going to make up their own versions of that. But allowing some of this stuff to naturally spark on. Now Sean and the team are looking at off track entertainment products, but unless you can dial back the commercial interest of a driver wanting to have a position and a sponsor and allow them to have pantomime villain status, mm. you're going to get nowhere, aren't you? For sure. You need, you need heroes and villains, you need good guys, you need bad guys. It's, and and, and it, doesn't, it needs to be real, it can't be manufactured. And we saw that in the lead-up to the, uh, to the, to the uh, penultimate round of the championship last year between, between our, ourselves and Triple Eight, and, and, and we did everything we could to, to heighten that up, and we were the underdogs. Um, and that that was that 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 made for great theatre and made for great ratings. And this year, the key to our ratings bump has been uh, the car with the pony on the front of it. Let's let's call a spade a spade. But uh, we need to keep innovating and thinking about new ideas. Now, you use wrestling as as an example. Wrestling's ratings are, have 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 certainly uh, bottomed out from their peak as well. But uh, one of the secrets to their success is that they take their show on the road. We've obviously got the benefit of being able to do that, but uh, these we take for granted that we go to all the events. We take for granted that we're at every track. Um, 
90% of the people who are here, this is the only race they'll go would go to all year. So we, we can't lose sight of that. And that's why it's so critically important that in addition to having a solid narrative with what we do on and off track, we need to also have that uh, that travelling roadshow, travelling cir- circus vibe about what it is that we do. We need to we need to have a little bit of um, pomp and pageantry probably isn't right, the right way to, to describe it, but we need we need that real feeling of an event atmosphere when we roll into town. A truck parade doesn't cut it. The interesting thing there is Super 2 and Super 3 now have got a platform that you probably didn't necessarily always had. Is there scope that if you have to drop back main game events to be able to do what you need to do with formats and, and travel, could Super 2, Super 3 be part of another entertainment product that you put out that is a way of generating more revenue, airtime, and giving those people the chance to build their own personality and, and profile. Well, we saw that um, we used to have um, Super 2 rounds at places like Wakefield Park and Malala, and they were standalone events, but the reality is the reason why we get the people through the gate is because they want to see the main act. So the only way to grow the undercard and the support card is, is to ensure that they get good track time, good tra- good TV time, and the weekends at the main axe playing. So that's that's uh, that's that's what makes for good supports. But then we also need to ensure we have competitive and viable supports. And we're very fortunate to have Super Two, Super Three, Touring Car Masters is a great one. The Toyota Eighty Six Series is a great one. Um, the Carrera Cup is a, is another another really solid uh, really solid support. And 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 when we get it right. Uh, a, a race weekend is a great thing to, to come along to and bring your family to, because uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot to see and do. I think that we need to think about a lot of things on a on a on a wholesale on a wholesale with a wholesale viewpoint. What's the cost of entry? Is it is it is it too high? How do we how do how do we turn our our race weekends into an event, an event where we're we're an especially popular sport in the regions. And we get government support because we're a travelling roadshow that can go out into uh, into non-major capital centres and uh, and attract big crowds. Have good they 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 measure these things by hotel room nights and uh, and uh, and we we hit our, our KPIs there across the board, particularly in, in Queensland and and uh, New South Wales especially. Uh, we just need to we just need to think about how do we how do we how do we make our show better. And, uh, and and ensure that we also then have the pass for the drivers to come through and get 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 their backside into one of the main game cars. It's it's a, it's something that needs to be looked at on a wholesale basis and in it and in its totality. And if from grid fifteen on back isn't going to have the refund the resources and funding to be able to afford that, where do you go? Because is this just what we saw from the eighties when we had 40 cars and 30 cars to what we are seeing now with 24 cars. So the reality is motorsport, whether it's a one-make series, supercars, Formula 1, whatever it is, there's a difference. There's a delta between the cost to enter and the cost to compete. Now, for us to make major changes to the costs of uh, of operating one of these organisations, and, and they are they are they're, 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 each 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 team, the company behind each team, whether it's at this end of pit lane or at the other end, they are significant organisations employing 20, 30, 40 people, uh, significant small small to medium enterprises. 
But the only way to make massive cuts in terms of cost, because we've got income problems as opposed to expenditure problems, is to lay down significant capital expenditure. And we're just not in a position where we can do that at the moment. So our objective, certainly at a commission level and at a team owner's level, is to is to reduce that delta between the cost of entering and the cost of uh, competing. And that will make for better racing. It will, it will make for greater competition. And it will lead to a better product. And at the moment, teams are sitting back going, what's this revolution going to be for 2020-21 in our car structure, team structure, and that sort of thing? There isn't going to be one. I mean, you're talking evolution. I mean, you don't need to be a Rhodes Scholar to, 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 to make that assessment. And I'm not speaking out of school in saying this, but you're talking evolution through 20 and 21, and, and that's dictated by GM's announcement that, that Holden will continue in the sport with the ZB Commodore through to the end of 2021. I mean, Blind Freddy can see that. That means evolution before revolution. So it does need revolution. It's just not going to happen in the next two to three years. I'm not saying it needs it, but but it, but that 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 basically is a that's effectively a, a hard date uh, for when we can think about what 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 is ostensibly described as next gen. Uh, but but in the meantime, we evolve the platform that we have and continue to ensure that we've got a, a really really good product on track. How detrimental is it to have domination by what we saw with the Wing Cup era and now what you've been able to achieve with Scott? I'm, uh, I'm I'm not sure one one championship uh, uh, domination doth not make. <laughs> when you when you look back at uh, you know Dick Johnson won uh, won half the championships in the eighties. Um, obviously, uh, Mark Scaife won uh, won significant championships in the nineties and and in the noughties. Scaife is a tough one though. They kept gerrymandering the points every year to try and manufacture competition. Dick was getting, having to beat people on a more level playing field. Well, I think that that's true, um, to an extent. And level by being that everyone was spending about the same money and and there was a number of cars that were of the same quality and, and engineering stature, whereas there was a big engineering gap between what Gibson were doing and the rest of the pack. And then they started screwing around with the numbers. For sure, I don't think that that uh, I don't think that significant gap exists today. I think that people perceive that it does, but uh, but I can assure you that it doesn't. Um, but uh, look, we've seen the incredible efforts and achievements of Triple Eight over the last ten to fifteen years. And I said uh, I said as recently as yesterday that. It's it's almost impossible to describe how much of a commitment, effort, and resource you need to be able to maintain a level of competitiveness that allows you to have those front row starts to, to get you on the podium week in, week out. We're three years into that. It requ- it's, it's a relentless pursuit. And it requires basically buy-in from everyone within the organisation, from the race drivers through to the guys who order parts, through to the engineers, through to mechanics, through to the commercial staff. Everyone needs to be marching in the same direction. It is not an easy thing to achieve, which, which, which makes 
what Triple Eight have have uh, have done over the last ten, ten to fifteen years, certainly in my mind, stand out as uh, as an even uh, as an even greater achievement than than the, the sum of uh, of all of their trophies and awards together. But it's not an easy thing to 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 be competitive consistently, because the one thing I can tell you is that the day that you stop developing, the day that you stop letting your people explore new ideas, ideas are free, the day you stop doing that, you're going to be overtaken by someone else who hasn't. And uh, and that's, you know, Dick says it, Dick says it best, when you're at the top, there's only one way you can go. So, uh, so, so success, success by nature is fleeting. So you can't take it for granted when you've got it, but you need to understand what's behind the success and how you got to where you are, so that uh, you can continue to replicate, evolve, and uh, and maintain the rage. So we're seeing our second Park for May event. Are you happy with the way that this trial has been progressing? Oh, look, it was, it was just a matter of, of, of testing it out. Uh, Tim Edwards um, and Adrian Burgess were in Formula One when it was introduced there, and uh, and Tim particularly was quite. Uh, in vocal, vocal in, in how much of a difference it made to workload to the staff and uh, and and really had no impact on uh, on the product. I think that it works when you have certain formats. I'm not necessarily sure that it works for all of the race formats that we have. And you know, we'll, we'll have a look at it and regroup and see what some of the other opinions up and down pit lane are. And again, it's a trial. It's an op- it's an opportunity to see how it works, and uh, we can regroup and revisit it and and see if there's a place for it uh, in the future. Does it need to go further and have fuel and, and other items of the car locked in? No, I don't think so. Um, I just think I think that uh, we run the risk of limiting uh, limiting uh, some teams from potentially chasing performance if they've had a bit of a had a bit of a rough run in quali. Um, but that's but again, it's the same for everyone. Uh, and uh, like I said, I don't I don't I don't believe that. Uh, I'm not, I don't prescribe that it's a, it's the right uh, way to go with all of the different race formats that we have. So, again, we'll regroup, we'll talk about it amongst ourselves, and uh, and come up with uh, with what we think is the right right answer. Whether it is right or not, I guess we're, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see if we see it again. Now you've locked in your drivers for 2020. It's funny saying that number and meaning next year. How much does a a driver, so you've got one driver in contract, one driver out of contract, which uh, happens from time to time. How much does the driver in contract have consultation or say on who the other driver might be? Uh, that's an interesting question. It's Drivers have to have buy-in to the team culture and the direction that we're going in. When you look at the car, it's got their name on it. But they're driving for a team. They're driving driving for a, a group, a group greater than themselves. And and sometimes when you do have uh, have continuity, perhaps on one side of the gar- garage and not necessarily on the other, maybe you, you certainly seek out uh, other opinions. Uh, but they don't necessarily dictate the decisions and choices that you make. Do they have consultation? In some in some instances, sure, sure, but uh, but not always. Uh, we do what's best for the team, and we we do what's best for the team to ensure we have two competitive cars that are capable of achieving strong and solid results. So, 
is the Penske way where you could have two drivers that have got opinions of each other that aren't as high and esteemed as what uh, you normally think of in a balanced team environment. If they have, if they, if they appreciate and buy into our culture, they will have success here. If they can do the job on the track, appreciate the needs and aspirations that we have off the track, they're good with our partners. They, they, they can, they, they, they effectively control their de- destiny and tenure, even in some ways more so than what we do. If they get the job done, why would you? Why would you change? Why would you change horses midstream? Ryan, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. We look forward to uh, seeing how the year pans out, particularly heading into the big trophy races in a few months' time. I can assure you, Craig, those uh, those races are an absolute focus for us right now, and uh, we've obviously had a rough run um, at the at the the greatest one of them all over the last few years. And you know, you can never you can never be guaranteed of a success of a success at a place like Bathurst, and. We've got a rod for our own back in not having an enduro event beforehand just to iron out the bugs and iron out the kinks, but we've got continuity with our drivers and with our people, and uh, and we've got we've got uh, we've got an idea of how to do it. It's it's a matter of executing and and getting the job done, and and the best car on the day, the best car on the day that makes it to lap 161 will will we'll get the Peter Brock Trophy. It's as simple as that. I'm just I'm just hoping that uh, we can we can work hard enough and and have a little bit of luck on our side to be competitive and be in a position where we can uh, we can challenge for it. Nothing would nothing would mean more to me. Certainly nothing would mean more to the Johnson family and to and to Roger Penske. We've had the pleasure of listening to Ryan Story's version of uh, his supercar series, and now Brody Kostecki more on what's going to come for Kostecki Racing after the break. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones I'm from the Cool Drive Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Brody Kostecki, great news here at Queensland Raceway with the announcement of Boost Mobile coming on board the Arca World program for Bathurst Wildcard. Yeah, you know, we're really pumped to have uh, Boost come on board. So it's been one of those deals that's been, you know, been going on behind the backgrounds and we sort of kept it pretty quiet. So it was really good to announce it this weekend and sort of surprise everyone. And um, and I think that happened. So we're just grateful to have, you know, Jason and Pete from Boost, you know, backing us, which to us is, a you know, a pretty big deal since, you know, he's trying to, you know, bring, you know, bring young blood into the sport. So, yeah, we're really pumped. Now, with the car being prepared for uh, Bathurst, you've had to sit out this round at QR. The, was that a tough decision to make in terms of you've been running well in the championship, so skipping around doesn't uh, doesn't do that any help? No, I wasn't too phased to be honest. Um, you know, to me, it's all about the end game, and and if I have to sit out for two two super two rounds, uh, you know, to make all this happen, then then to me, that's you know that that's fine with me. So. Um, I'll just have to keep up my driver training and you know hand-eye coordination and you know luckily enough we've had Paul Morris helping us so I'll be able to you know pop down at Norwell and you know he can get me to tin top shape. 
the team this year? A couple of changes, of course, as there always are in teams, but uh, what's it been like with Kurt moving down to a, a factory drive with a triple eight car and then you guys going it alone up this end? Um, it's been a lot easier in a way of you know preparing two cars instead of three and also maintaining uh, two cars at a racetrack instead of three. So, uh, we, you know, we found it quite difficult last season to bring three cars to the racetrack and have, you know, you know, fly in, fly out, you know, sort of workers. Being able to string everyone onto the same page, you know, they all have, you know, the qualifications to do the job, but every team has a different way of doing it. So it was kind of hard to sort of migrate everyone to one way. So, um, you know, when Kurt got that opportunity to jump into, you know, to a factory T8 team, it seemed like a good gig for him. And for yourself, with what you're managing here, have you enjoyed the the role that you've been playing? Yeah, you know, I've really enjoyed the last two rounds being in sort of like a team manager role and, um, you know, help help try to sort of better the team, you know, before we go into, you know, probably the biggest challenge we're ever going to face. So, um, yeah, I think it's been, you know, a definite positive for me and, and also for Jake, sort of, you know, being able to focus on just one car, you know, one driver, and uh, just try and maximise our efforts as much as possible. You have been racing together for a number of years now. Are you similar in what you like in a car, or is there going to be a lot of compromise both ways when you get into the endurance race? Um, no, we're pretty similar in the way we sort of want the car. Um, you know, I like I like having my car sort of, you know, pretty on edge. So, and, and Jake's kind of the same way. So, I, I think in in that sort of aspects, um, you know, we align pretty well, which is uh, definitely a bonus in my opinion. Now, obviously, you've set a plan to boost. What's that? looking like for how you're setting your KPIs across the Bathurst weekend? Um, you know, we're, you know we, we've been honest with um, our expectations throughout the weekend. You know, we, we know that we have a good car, um, a good team and, and also a good engineer, Jason Gray. So um, if we can string it all together, you know, there's no doubt that we'll have, you know, like a good car and, and be able to run sort of inside the top 10. But as everyone knows, that, that race can change at any moment, at any second. So, um, you know, trying to be mistake-free and sort of working out all the bugs is definitely going to be the most difficult thing for us and, and also, you know, for Jake and myself, um, you know, doing a 1,000 Ks, you know, throughout the whole thing without making any mistakes is, is also going to be a challenge. The interesting thing, of course, is that there's a number of different ways you can play it with a, with a team that's running two number one drivers if you like, because you both have your own cars in your own series. So it possibly gives you a lot more flexibility, uh, particularly when it comes to um, do you double stint or do you keep changing each time for fitness and other reasons? Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're pretty sort of open in, in that sort of aspect of, you know, strategy and, and, and everything like that. So uh, Jake and myself are really close um, as far as our driving styles and stuff as well. So um, I think... That, that could definitely open up some more options for us and also who starts the race and who finishes. So there's not going to be any, any set sort of um, you know, strategy or anything like that that's going to you know, be set in stone. How much time are you having to spend on working on promotional activities and, and sponsorship opportunities to be able to do these sorts of events? Because they don't come cheap. No, it's, um, you know, it's been quite a challenge. So uh, luckily for... you know me stepping out to being able to have that car converted to a ZB Commodore sort of offsets all those, um, you know, those costs, uh, you know, which is 
sort of really good in a way. So, um, yeah, we're sort of pretty happy about that. And, and also, too, uh, Jake just finished Queensland Raceway with a clean car. So we've had, you know, two clean rounds and, you know, some pretty good results, um, you know, pole at Townsville. So, um, you know, to take away from that, it's it's been been really difficult to be honest so um you know we're balancing a lot of jobs between the three of us and you know kurt jake and myself so um you know within being preparing jake's car for super two and also preparing this car to be converted and and also you know or just organizing the team and what you know who's in what role and pit stops building a boom so you know the list just goes on so um you know it's it's going to be a big challenge for you know the three of us but you know we're dedicated and really looking forward to it well, we're August now. October is the race. How far along percentage-wise do you think you are? Uh, well, right now, probably probably 20%, to be honest. So um, we have sort of everything sort of in place. Um, you know, a lot of our pit equipment's already here, so we've already had it from the wild cards last year that Kurt, Kurt competed in for KBR. So, um, yeah, it's just a few little things like getting this car built. So uh, we've just got our car back, and it's just been finished at the paint shop actually this weekend. So... Uh, first thing Monday we'll be in there sort of getting that car ready and start building the interior and ho- hopefully be on be on track to test sort of midway through next month. Do you know with pit allocations and who's going to be doing all that sort of work at this stage? Uh, yeah we do know um, you know most of our crew is is sorted um, it's it's been a bit hard to sort of find you know find people that uh, you know qualified to change a brake rotor um, you know during the Bathurst 1000 it's not it's definitely not an easy job. Um, you know, they're, they're at a thousand degrees when they come in. So, um, yeah, so that's been, that's been hard for us. So, but we just sort of have to dig deep and, you know, we might have to train some guys ourselves. So, um, Kurt's got a lot of pit stop experience. So, uh, you know, we can definitely lean off of him and, you know, get some advice off of him. And, you know, I think it'd be, he'd be good role as in, you know, teaching people and coaching people in that department. And as you mentioned, we're coming off the back of QR Kurt up the other up in the other team finishes on the podium yeah it was great you know he had a great weekend so he had a he had a pole on the Sunday which is today so um couldn't quite get it off the line but you know he's had uh, some really good car speed in the last couple of races so I think uh once he gets the monkey off his back he'll be uh, set to jet thanks for your time and we look forward to seeing how the progress goes up until the Bathurst 1000 thank you our final thoughts Craig after the break Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian title since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome to Inside Supercars. This is Ryan Story from DJR Team Penske. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Craig, do you have a final thought for this week's show? Well, my final thought is, do you afford the luxury of uh, running 14 events with longer races or should you really go to as many tracks as possible it's an interesting it's an interesting dilemma and as we know supercars have a minimum maximum amount of kilometers they have to cover and uh, as we've heard through the last couple of weeks they're making a decision to go to longer races now personally i like the longer races but 
is there an appetite for racing at more tracks over a shorter race distance? No one's advocating that position, and I'm certainly not a fan of it, but it's an interesting one to have. Um, Obviously, we saw Australian Rules Football go to 18 teams. Why? To have more games. About 10, 15 years ago, you would remember, Tony, that quarters used to be 25 minutes plus time on. They're now 20 minutes plus time on. They've shortened the game, but they've go to more of them. Yes, and of course that gives them the opportunity also for selling them off, which brings me to my final thought, and that is the ongoing problem of uh, television and all media coverage of supercars. Nowadays, you know, I'm probably most known for reading newspapers, being an old-style journalist and coming from a long line of family of journalists. Newspapers themselves are important things, but I find that more and more that there is less and less in the press about supercars are premier racing category and i think it's a major concern now and combined with the fact that when you're only getting six events of the uh, you know less than half on free to air it does mean that people out of sight out of mind and so i i wonder if there will be that review that's been mooted around the team owner saying no we need uh free to air tv so that we can sell it to sponsors so that'll be an interesting one to watch in the uh, upcoming months as the uh, contracts will be coming up for renewal i think it's the end of next year is it not craig yep that sounds right so on inside supercars we'll uh, sit back and wait and watch and see how that all develops as we prepare for tail and ben in a couple of weeks time and that's all from me on inside supercars and it's good night from him inside supercars is produced by thunder media tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device, search Inside Supercars.